Blog Talk Radio. And what I'm thinking is I'm sitting here now, well, maybe this is my big break. This is my big chance. You know what I mean? You don't just walk on to a network show without experience. Now, I know it's an old hackneyed expression, but it happens to be the truth. You've got to start at the bottom. I know. That's where I am, at the bottom. That's a perfect place to start. So will you please give your warmest greetings to the newest king of comedy... Rupert Hopkins. His name is Rupert Pupkin. He lives in a world of make-believe. Oh, Jerry, I love this guy. Always coming up with these great lines. I love him. I love him. Nobody can remember his name. Mr. Pipkin. Mr. Pupnik. Mr. Puffer. Rupert. Pupkin. P-U-P-K-I-N. But by 11.30 tonight, the whole world will know that Rupert Pupkin is the new king of comedy. Robert De Niro, Jerry Lewis, in a Martin Scorsese picture, The King of Comedy. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Great 80s Movies. This is Logan. I am talking about, and with my friend here, Kip, talking about the movie King of Comedy with starring uh, Robert De Niro, Jerry Lewis, Sandra Bernhardt from, uh, what was this, 1983, Kip? Uh, that sounds right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let me look at my portfolio. We are movie um, experts. Uh, but <laughs> it's the eighties. Yeah, eighty three. I think that. I think that maybe. Yeah, it was yeah, eighty three. Because they, they showed it at the Tribeca Film Festival, and I think it was kind of a big deal because it was the thirtieth anniversary. Now let's talk about uh, how this movie was first received. It was a basically a, a box office bust, wasn't it? It indeed it was. Uh, for some <laughs> for some reason, there was a strike or something while they were making it, and so the budget and you've seen the movie, I've seen the movie, that's all we do, uh, was twenty million dollars thirty years ago for that movie. Hmm. Didn't that look like kind of a cheap-looking movie? I mean, like for, what would cost I mean, so much? And go and and what would? I don't know. And, and I think it was attributed to the fact that there was some technician strike or something that, like, delayed production. I see. So it was about... So it was you had kind to use, of a like, cursed movie from the outset. Uh-huh. Well, and, it was... Then, I thought... Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I, I only have, like, three things to say about it, so I'll, I'll parcel them out. What were you, what were you going to say? <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, just just, well, just factually. I don't yeah. mean the movie. And then and then I'm going to not talk anymore. No, no. I just meant like I have. I go I've ahead. Read a bit well, about go the ahead. Movie. Put, put them out there. Put them out there. Uh, no, no. Okay. Uh, so the movie cost twenty million to make, and then it came out, and I and the 
I think it made like worldwide like three million dollars. So it was a huge loss. It was just like, and, wow. and no one particularly liked it critically. Um, mm-hmm. Which uh, you know, having seen it, I, I'm not like fools. All of them. Um, I mean, it's a strange movie. Well, I I like the movie. I I mean, I'll uh, I'll talk about whether I recommend that somebody go watch it at the end. But uh, I personally enjoyed it. Um, it was something. It was weird. It was you know when I when you first brought up the idea to watch this movie, um, I was you know like I had never really wanted to check out this movie. Like there was just nothing that would bring me <laughs> to this movie if it were not for just. That you're suggesting that we that I watch it, you know, uh, for this. And I felt to do this when podcast. I suggested, I was like, "Why am I suggesting this?" Like, not not today. It's just like this is such a strange, cold, weird movie. But that is why I suggested because I, I, you know. I well, that's fine. I mean, I think that there's a place for all for movies like that. And and the thing about it is, it you know, it's now thought to be a really great movie by most critics. If you go to Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's upwards of eighty percent. Uh, so that's you know basically a consensus of of, yeah. of goodness about this movie, um, and then it's very like you know I'm sure among more you know erudite film buffs like considered to be like a masterpiece, right? I mean, is it, it not? It kind of is, um, but I think there's an indie snob element to its quote unquote popularity. I will I'm just going to say that. Well, it's kind of like Glenn <laughs> um, Gary. Glenn Ross, right? I mean, sort of that level. But I, I agree at that level. But and I'm not saying whether I recommend this movie or not presently. But like, didn't I mean Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross is like a little more neat. You know what I mean? It's like you're not like constantly wondering like what the hell am I watching? Yes, yes. Well, that's what's so great about this movie is that you don't exactly know where it's going to go. It looks like it's not going to go anywhere good, I mean, at least for Robert De Niro. Uh, but, you know, and that's kind of the whole twist of the movie. But, like, let's get into it, because I want to... Uh, we're talking now about the plot. I mean, is there anything else about background that you wanted to just bring up before we get into the plot? Um, okay, these are the other things that I, uh, I learned. Um, after this, the next movie Scorsese and De Niro did... Uh, after this was Goodfellas, um, mm-hmm. in '89. So indeed, uh, that was six years later. So it did come out in 1983. You were right. Um, and Scorsese says the reason they didn't work together for that long, which is, is really not that long when you think about it, but uh, is because of the experience of making this movie, which I guess was extremely unpleasant for like everyone involved and went very emotionally Why? rigorous. I, don't, is I think Scorsese because of the a subject tough matter. Guy? No, I mean no. He seems like a, you know he seems like a nice guy. I think it was just like everyone living day in and day out. But like this is a movie we're making, and it's like like quite you know it's not like a warm movie. It's not like making big or something. It's like I mean, what they were going for was sort of strange. Right. And, and I think it is a comedy, or presents itself as one. But you feel kind of yeah. uncomfortable laughing. Laughing. Yes, yes, and we'll talk about that as we get into the um, the the. But so I'll give an overview of the plot, and then we'll sure. get into uh, so we'll go through the movie. Um, Rupert Pump- Pumpkin, 
played by Robert De Niro, is a stage door autograph hound. And he's basically an aspiring stand-up comedian whose ambition obviously far exceeds his talent. Um, after meeting Jerry Langford, played by Jerry Lewis, a successful comedian and talk show host, Rupert believes his big break has finally come. He attempts to get a place on the show, but he is continually rebuffed by Langford's staff and finally by Langford himself. Um, along the way, Rupert indulges in elaborate and obsessive fantasies um, where he and Langford are, and, uh, are colleagues and friends. Uh, he even takes a, um, a date, uh, Rita, actually his real-life girlfriend at the time, uh, to Langford's home, uninvited, of course, trying to impress her, only to be uh, foolishly uh, kicked out. When the uh, straight straight approach does not work, Rupert hatches this kidnapping plot with the help of Masha, who is played uh, quite well by a young Sandra Bernhardt, who is also a stalker obsessed with Langford. Um, as Ransom, uh, Rupert demands that he be given the opening slot in that evening's Jenny, uh, Jerry Langford show. So basically... He uh, he's get it's going to be guest hosted at this point by Tony Randall, which is another great cameo in the movie, and the show be broadcast in normal fashion. So that's his ransom. The network brass lawyers and the FBI agree with the understanding that Langford will be released once the show airs. Between the taping of the show and the broadcast, Masha has her dream date with Langford finally, who is duct taped to a chair in her parents' Manhattan townhouse. And then Jerry convinces her to unite him. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm reading here. Untie him <laughs> and not, escape. No. <laughs> Rupert stands up. Uh, yeah, I know. Thank you. I, I thought I was fooling everybody. Uh, Rupert's stand-up routine is, is of course, well received. Um, uh, not really, but kind of. I mean, it, it, yeah, to I get know. some I kind of fame out of it. He closes by confessing you know, to the audience that he. Barely give away the ending of the movie. Do you? Yes, we're going to give away the whole thing. Dude. We're spoiling okay. this movie. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry it's, to interrupt. We're giving it up. Yes, we're talking about the whole movie beginning to end, so go see okay. the movie before you listen to it. Uh, he closes by confessing to the audience that he kidnapped Jerry Langford in order to break into show business. The studio audience laughs, thinking that it's part of his act. Rupert responds by saying, Tomorrow you'll know I wasn't kidding, and you'll know, and you'll all think I'm crazy, but I figure it this way. Better to be the king for a night than schmuck for a lifetime one of the all-time never-quoted quotes ever. Um, the movie closes with... I was just not saying that to my father yesterday. <laughs> the movie closes with a news report of Rupert's release from prison set to a, monstant, a montage of storefronts uh, stocking his long-awaited autobiography, King for a Night, uh, and then the report affirms that Rupert still considers Jerry Langford his mentor and friend and that he and his agent are currently weighing several quote-unquote attractive offers. And the final scene shows Rupert taking the stage for an apparent TV special with a live audience and an announcer enthusiastically introducing and praising him. So, I mean, he he ends up, you know, coming out good from this scheme that he that he uh, hatches, and uh, it's quite a odd ending. Uh, but, you know, almost like... Oh yeah, typical. This is what we would expect from the stupid American public. Uh, should somebody? But but my feeling about this whole movie is it, it's about balls. You know, it's about like just doing that thing that people don't want you to do, <laughs> and and it's like 
everybody's telling you just you shouldn't do this, don't do this, and it's kind of like in many ways a metaphor of of life, of of just coming of age and 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 trying to be your own person. You know, I mean, obviously he takes it to an extreme. But uh, what, I mean, what, but isn't what he like one of the saddest heroes you've ever seen in a movie? Like, well, it's Don Quixote. It's uh, basically Cervantes. Yes, I know. I, I, I mean, yes, I say like I've I've read Don Quixote several times. But well, I mean, I know <laughs> the Cliff Notes version, and that seems right. It is I the guess. the same idea, basically. I know you read it. Yes. I've read that that book, and and the thing is, it's it's it is a tragic figure, but there's always kind of this idea that the person is that the person knows that they're being sort of they're they're actually they know that they're faking. Let's put it like that. Um, okay. And and even even Don Quixote in the uh, in the you know in that, those two books, he basically has a moment when he's in his deathbed. And he's raving about how he's this knight and he's this guy and he's done all these things. And his little partner says to him, and he's like, Don Quixote, you know, you're just this little guy from a little town in La Mancha. You know, that's who you are. You're my friend. And he's just like, he just looks at him and he's like, I know who I am. I mean, basically, and that's that supposed to be the moment in the movie where he basically knows that he's full of shit and it's just all a bunch of big play for his own amusement. To be the, and it's almost like don't you think you that, take it I th- sorry yeah go ahead I think the very 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 end of the movie which you described beautifully uh, when it is just like focusing on him and he's in a red suit with like a red background and there's like all this like maniacal laughter and like that announcement it he doesn't look happy at all and that and that is like one of the most unpleasant endings of a movie I have ever seen. Like I, well, that's I mean, an interesting take. So you're saying he's actually, it's like, be careful what you wish for, kind of you end up in hell type shit. I mean, it saying. seems like if you wanted to interpret him as someone rotting in hell, that would be, like, not that far-fetched. Because he's wearing a red suit, and he has this whole red backdrop, and there's, like, all this, like, <laughs> and he's not even saying anything. And it goes so on you're, uh, for, you're, like... 35 seconds and it's like when is this fucking movie going to end and like what is the point of making and it's like and the music is really like unpleasant to listen to right and it's like god Scorsese is a genius why would he end the movie on such an ugly way and it's like I'm, I, you know I think he probably has a reason well when he's yeah and I and I, I see that that's an interesting take I mean it, it, it it's almost like that Twilight Zone, where the guy gets everything he wants, and he's like, I was thinking you know, that. He, I mean, not um, not to be like, I was thinking that already, dude. But I was going to mention it, but I didn't want to get too off subject because I was thinking that as well. I mean, that Twilight Zone. Yeah. So I mean, let's let's go through the movie uh, in the beginning because okay, in the beginning you have like this crowd that's sort of waiting outside for Jerry Langford, who is brilliantly. Uh, I just think that. Jerry Lewis is such a great cocky bastard in this fucking movie. Uh, it's really one of those performances that people need to check out. I mean, I, I just never would expect this from, you know, the guy that makes all those crazy faces and noises that I know about Jerry. I don't know much about him, but I'm just saying, like, this is a great performance. No, it, and it, this is like, the movie is totally worth it because it just humanizes him. 
And it's like, oh my he's god, awesome. Jerry Lewis is like a person, and he's like, hey, yeah, he's he such this be like cool guy, really, who just doesn't want to be fucked with like eternally by these asshole fans. You know, I mean, it's just you f- totally feel for him. You know, just like everybody's just like, hey, Jerry, what's up, man? He's just like, look, I'm late. I gotta go. I'm, yeah. I'm late. I'm late. Yeah, get, and, that, and that scene where it's like, oh, can you just talk to my son Murray on the phone? He's not never gonna believe me. And he's like. Well, no, I'm running late. And she says, like, you should get cancer! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that whole thing about how, yeah, she she just had cancer. And just like, you bastard, you no, son of a bitch, I hope you saying, rot in hell. No, she's saying, you should get cancer. Because you right. won't oh, talk that's right. That's right. to my brother. It's like, the, the brother is fine. It's just like... That. That's right, like, that's right. Instantly yes, turning. And also, yes. according to my... Research also, that, some, kind of, that happened actually happened to Jerry Lewis, which I completely believe. Oh, so that is actually a scene from his real life, yes. which is even funnier. What's funny too is the whole Alice in Wonderland aspect to him. I'm late. I'm late. You know, I thought of oh, that yeah. when I was. <laughs> I didn't know what if that ties into anything. What what that could mean? But he he does kind of end up being like this rabbit. That the Alice figure, you know, which is played by De Niro, follows to his uh, Wonderland, or whatever. But uh, but anyway, it's uh, it's uh, so he's just. I mean, I just think he's great. His 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 presence is like awesome. He's he's a real just like guy. You know, he's obviously a star. He carries himself like a real like honest to god star and i never really thought of jerry lewis as a star like i just thought of him as a yeah. goofball and like when i saw him in this movie i'm like wow this guy really is a star i mean he just he he carries he himself in there like a true like decades longer than anyone in this profession he's like at the top top echelon yes you're right i mean he, he it's like he outlasted all that whole um i guess it was the rat pack that, uh, yeah, which he was never he was quite invited into because he was like too goofy, and it's like, but you know, he did yeah, they were like, it. you can't be in this, fucker. We got yeah. Sammy Davis; he's the funniest we can have. You know, I mean, uh, <laughs> who else was like the funny <laughs> guy Billy in there? Bishop, I mean, who I have no idea. He was a comedian, but I don't think he was very funny. But I have no idea. Uh, but he didn't. He didn't Martin really make it big. Peter Lawford. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, uh, anyway, so he's this. Uh, he plays this kind of like um just arrogant sort of, you know, star. He's established. He doesn't really need any He tries, to, you know, he actually tries to be cool to him when he forces himself into the uh, uh limousine uh during So he does it. He but then now De Niro kind of How does he end up How does he manage to get into the limousine? He uh Sandra Bernhard, Masha is hiding in the limousine and is, like, waiting to ambush Jerry. And then he gets Jerry Lewis, Jerry Langford, whatever, thank God. Uh, and he gets in the limo, and she's, like, attacks him. And so Jerry Lewis just emerges from the limo while, like, security deals with her. And Rupert Hupkin, um is like, stand back, everybody, stand back, and just kind of gives him room. And he is able to get back in the limousine, and then Rob Rupert Pupkin hops in with him and shows him his cut hand and says, like, you know, look, uh, I cut my hand, and I did kind of help you out. 
and I'm not crazy, just like drive away. And in the heat now, of the moment, was that all planned like that? Was that a big scheme that no. was planned with with Sandra, or was it just him taking advantage of her craziness? Yeah, it was him being there every night, and like here's his moment. Yeah, I see. So so he gets in there and he starts just kind of fast talking and somehow gets basically this guy to you know just give him a little bit of advice. I mean, what is he? But it's I mean, because what, it's seduction. Because it's like it's not like Jerry Langford is like this great guy. It's like Robert De Niro is just caressing his ego. And it's right. Like, oh, and the way you did, and he's like being really specific, and you can see yeah. like Jerry Lewis kind of like thawing and like enjoying schooling, you know, this young pup who like totally sucks and like. Right. So it's not and like who he knows is an idiot. Yeah, but it's just like it gives him pleasure to give this speech about like how great he is. <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess he does do that, and he talks about how it's just like it, it, the way he the way he tells it is like everything that every success that he's had is because of something that he figured out, you know, where he didn't really figure out shit. He just was a lucky guy, just like you know, yeah, and it's, probably, yeah. Right place, right time type shit. But uh, and all, but his he, whole speech is like, even though it just looks like luck, it's not luck. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is what everybody who in that position would love to believe, you know. Yeah. And uh, so he's so and, and and he's also just like, you know, there's this. He so he he gives him a little bit of an entree, and what? But I mean. Does he get any kind of promise extracted out of him that he would call him? Or, I mean, what is it that uh, De Niro leaves with after this meeting that, it, you know, it's, it's such like a great thing? The, it, it's just nothing, basically. It's like, right. call my office, you know, talk to my secretary. Yeah, and like, get the fuck out of my face. basically, like, you can send your tape in. Like, I mean, like, not actually promising him anything, but just being like, right. you know, you can do it. And, I, you know... Essentially promising him nothing while while feeling like a very generous man, and also right, thinking right. he'll never have to see the idiot again. Right, and the, he, the scene when he's like leaving finally from the limousine, and he just keeps like he he keeps at calling him at different intervals as he's walking away. He's just oh, like so Jerry, <laughs> Jerry, one more thing, Jerry. So some. So you're going to call me back, right? Or something. What does he say? I mean, he just keeps well, asking. Well, he's like, like, you know, I don't have money for dinner right now, but if you're okay with appetizers. And it's like, oh, my God. It's like, just leave. Um, <laughs> oh, that's right. Because he wants to have lunch with him or something, right? You no, know, and then after that, he's like, no, seriously, lunch anywhere on me. And it's just like, oh, Jerry, Jerry. And then he has a joke for him. And it was just, he calls him back. Like, oh, then he times. gives him that stupid card with yeah. the, uh, what was it? What's on the card again? It's like I want to show you a picture of my pride and joy. And it's a picture of yeah. pride and joy dishwashing liquid side by side. What's the pride part? I forgot that. Was it just oh, like pride? Might have been margarine, actually. I mean, yeah, pride, pride margarine, and joy, fucking and, yeah. Oh, now it is funny. Now that I realize, oh, it's <laughs> yeah, terrible. and he's terrible like, terrible joke. Um, yeah, what's his name? Uh, Jerry's like, that's good. That's good. He's like, you yeah. can have that. You can use it. You know, and yeah, just, use uh, it. It'll work for you. <laughs> so then, so then after that, you know, it's basically like we enter kind of like the dual realities of 
him in his fantasy world talking to Jerry and giving him advice. <laughs> yeah. And, like, helping him out, you know? And then him going to this office where he gets, like, the coldest of shoulders from everyone, just, like, treating him like he's just this fucking crazy man. Um, but they're as nice <laughs> as they can be. I mean... Oh, yeah, they do everything like, they can. It would be more comedic if they were, like, hostile to him. Like, that would be, like, more laugh-out-loud funny, like a movie that would be made today. But everybody there is, like, really nice to him. Just right, they, and they're in, they they give him, like, you know, he, he insists he has an appointment, but then they yeah. say that there's no appointment, and then he keeps coming back, and he just keeps coming back, and it's just, like, to the point where... Even they send out the actual woman who's the producer, and she has, like, a number of conversations with him, basically giving him, like, you know, pretty generous advice about how, you know, he might, you know, if if you go out there and get a name for yourself, you know, we you, well, then we can put you on, but right now... And to his tapes, yeah. Which we, yeah, and she we know the by the end of the movie what his material is like. It's horrible. It's completely yeah. shit. And, uh, but what is it... What is it that um, what is it that she says to him in terms of advice? Like, is she just do you? Well, do you... it's almost like there's a scene where he's wondering. I mean, uh, Rupert is with Jerry and is like, "What do you think of my one-liners? Are they strong enough?" And like, he knows his own weaknesses, and she basically says everything he's already thought. Like, some of your one-liners could be stronger. And like, and every piece of advice she gives is really good, and it's also stuff he's already thought in his con- fantasy conversations. Who's uh, the actress like, that's playing? She's one of the Charlie's Angels, right? That would be Shelley Hack, <laughs> who was mm. one of the Charlie's Angels. She was also in Annie Hall as a stupid woman. I don't know if you remember that. Mm. But she was very funny. In Annie Hall playing a stupid woman, also uh, starring in the frayed poster on your wall. But uh yeah. <laughs> and the movie. <laughs> but uh, but she's really good anyway. in the movie. Like she's kind of. I thought she was very, very perfect. It's funny. It's sometimes you'll see just some everyday movie, and there'll be some throwaway performance, and that person should really win an Oscar because they're just like absolutely convincing, and they're perfect. But it's just like yeah. some nothing role, if you know what I mean. And she's like that. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And so, I mean, basically, it's it gets to the point where they basically, I guess, I mean, what's the last straw? He, he kind of just busts in and starts walking through the offices looking for Jerry, and that's kind of what creates the... Uh, uh, but before we get to that, uh, before they get to the security scene, uh, all these scenes that he has with Jerry, um, they're they're just they're, they go on and on. I mean, and he's basically just. It, is it clear to you that he that he's just like kind of? I mean, it's kind of like you you know you have a fantasy about a girl or whatever. You don't actually believe that this is what's going on. I mean, is it clear to you that he's he's sane, but he's just imagining this? Yeah, and I feel like his life is so bleak and ordinary and going nowhere that he just like prefers. Uh, what I love about this reality. 
what I love about how he interacts with the people in the office and with Jerry is that he 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 has this air about like oh really you know he's just like very kind of like what like are you I thought that you know you were you know he he's like up until the very end he doesn't believe, you know he he doesn't put on the air of somebody who's being rejected at all it's just like there's some misunderstanding <laughs> you know yeah. like, it's always Which just think, like oh I no think, you I misunderstood mean, as a as a sidebar I really think that is something that successful people do and why why I will never be successful. <laughs> like <laughs> what's the way I'm doing that. <laughs> yeah, there's this kind of weird moment where you have to be like such a bullshitter where you start you have to almost believe your own bullshit and like to go with it and you're just not willing to do that. And so in a way that's like that is a quality of a successful person. It's just this rich with kind Rupert, of Arguably, is I mean, in the course of that movie. Well, he, he and he would think about it. Actually, is. initially, he actually it starts. I mean, until he fucks it up, he is sort of successful. He does get what he wants for like ten minutes, and then. Just, well, I think you know, too, though, that he he is you know if he suppose he had just gone to the office and interacted with this uh, woman, and 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 gotten the advice. And, and and you know and then left it at that and then gone out and maybe just did a little bit more. He he might even got like something out of that just because he, you know, established this relationship now with this woman who probably wanted to help him out. If if he could just yeah. be a little bit better, you know. <laughs> well, we heard or if he could just get tape, which was like terrible. I mean, and, but yes, exactly. He had an in. If he he had posted right. I mean, if he treated her right and like. Um, and she's trying to be courteous and hoping he'll be courteous back. And he is, he is and he isn't. And, like, they talk right. in totally heightened, phony language. Like, well, I have to disagree with your opinion. Like, well, that is your privilege, sir. Like, like they're not talking as real people. Right. Well, and also, well, let's talk about also this thing with Sandra Bernhardt and her obsession. She's, I mean, she kind of acts like his, um, conscience on some level of because when he find, when he does get kicked out uh, with the security uh, in the first instance, um, she, she he kind of tries to play it off like oh he's not there you know it's fine and she's like no he's there you know she kind of like tells him to go yeah. back in you know so I thought but that she's was also kind of a total idiot because she like doesn't see immediately through his like. Friendship, like so. No, oh, and now she's... you're all friends with Jerry. Like I don't matter anymore. Yeah, she starts to buy his bullshit and think that maybe he's actually gotten somewhere with this guy and that he's going places and he's not going to help her out get her dream date with Jerry. You know, and that's all she wants. I mean, it's just like, did you mention? Did you give him like she has something a note to give him or something like that? A letter. Give him like, a note and he's like, yeah. Like he's gonna read that fucking letter. I mean, <laughs> but it's like it's dueling just, patheticness. I mean, you just see them arguing on the street. It's like an argument between two idiots. It's like, oh god, like you're both just well, it's really shouting nonsense. It's it's really complex though because you don't. You're just like okay. Right, he's explaining to her like, no, it's cool. She, he's not there. 
like like he's actually believing the bullshit that this office is feeding him when mm. you know i think it's you know Cause even I think though he's playing off character is quite dumb i mean like as well as very you ambitious think that's, so he's buying it for for that split second and then she just quickly puts it in his head that hey he is there they're just fucking with you you know and he's just like well haven't you ever been that naive when somebody's like oh we'll keep your resume on file and you're like oh sweet they're gonna keep my resume like you know there's some point where you like learn what is bullshit and what isn't and like until it happens you don't actually know and if you're like trying to stalk a talk show and they're like well we'll get back to you and you have no idea how that world works you're like oh my god they're gonna get back to me See, this reminds me too of uh, of how um, the story of John Claude Van Damme and how he became a, a big action star is that he started stalking like Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger and people like that, and he just seriously like stalked Arnold Schwarzenegger to the point where Arnold kind of noticed him and and gave him some kind of re- referral or something, and it was kind of an interesting so you think way that's of probably. I mean, I feel like Arnold Schwarzenegger probably did something extremely similar. Yeah, well, Arnold had 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 more of an in uh, than than Van Damme, but Van Damme was just like, yeah, I mean, I maybe he admired the the approach or something, but it's just that whole yeah. thing of like, I admire your your approach, you know, like I like somebody to tell me to fuck off now and then, just like <laughs> then you tell your boss to fuck off and you get fired, you know, like it's like that Mr. <laughs> Show thing. <laughs> it's like, fuck you. This is this is an injustice. This is wrong. No, fuck you. You're still fired. You know, but uh, but the whole idea of this having the bo- it and you know it is. You're right. It is a seduction. It is kind of a metaphor of picking up girls. The whole like process from meeting to getting an, a date. I mean, it's just so hard to get a date from just like a raw meeting with a girl. I mean, it's very yeah. similar. It's very metaphorical on that level. Of, of courtship and then final and then and then also the obsessive stalking thing but, that occurs sometimes when guys don't get their way, you know. That's certainly a thing. Um, I mean, it's, cer- woman, it's certainly like a a metaphor there. But the woman in the movie, I mean, that character is also like they're all just hypnotized by the idea of celebrity. Meanwhile, anytime you see Jerry, like he's like without people surrounding him and pestering him. He's just, like, in an empty apartment or, like, golfing by himself or, like... He's kind of a lonely guy. Yeah, like, and, you know, and just, like, changing the channels and just, like, having dinner by himself with, like, Pomeranian beside him. He's, like, there's nothing going for him other than the show. It's true. He's kind of this lone guy, and in many ways, like, it's showing how... It is lonely because there's nobody on your level, and you and you'd rather just not be hanging out with anyone because everyone you hang out with just acts like you're above them, and it's annoying. So you're just like, fuck it, you know, I just be alone all the time. It's like Johnny Carson's life, really, is what he's I think, and probably it. I'm just speculating a lot like Letterman's life. I mean, like, right? You know, you're supposed to just light up the room. And it's like I do that, you know, all day long. I don't. I don't need to do that on my off time. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's it, that's when I mean, I guess you get chained into this kind of machine and you become sort of this cog in the machine and you're like the you're like the guy they've harnessed your power to light up a room for every fucking weeknight on this time and like you 
you need to harness that and it's you've almost like you know given over yourself you've subcontracted your sense of humor to this company that's machine of of entertainment that you can't really you're contracted into i mean even though you're getting paid tons of money it's almost like an indentured servitude of of a certain it is sort like cuz the money is so much that you can't walk away yet you're like 70 years old and you've been making $35 million a year the last 10 years, and it's like, yeah. what does money mean to you? Yeah, you're like this At bubble point, boy. I mean, yeah. you could fucking take a hot air balloon around the world for the next 20 years. Like, you want to do it? Like, no, I just want to keep coming to work and, like, you know, keep the flame going for, like, how great that yeah, is. Yeah, for as long as... And it's it's always, like, this kind of... It's like always like as as long as you can hold on, you know, and keep those checks coming in. It's like you see it with uh, Jay Leno and this whole thing about like leaving and then being like, what am I, stupid? Like I'm going to just leave and ha- not get these huge checks every week? Like that's ridiculous. I'm not leaving. And then he comes back and then they're like, no, actually we want you to leave now. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's an I'm, odd I'm thing. Sympath- I'm more sympathetic to Jay than some, but I mean, I I still think he acted shabbily, but like, but like, well, yeah, but I but I think the money means very little to him, honestly, because he he also doesn't spend any of the money he makes from the Tonight Show, which must be like about a billion dollars. It's all his whole living is provided by his like road work. Cause that guy doesn't. I mean, that guy works like 360 days a year. I see, just a machine. Yeah, and it's a compulsion. It's not like, oh, he just, right. you know, he likes to see people laugh. I mean, it's 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 doing some, you know, I mean, I'm not judging him, but like, he's getting No, it's OCD. I mean, I think that's that. true about, I think that's true about a lot of the people on Wall Street, a lot of the people like, you know, like Bill Gates and, and, and uh, Steve Jobs, like, the, it's become sort of like this, obsessive compulsion just to make more money and just to just do more and you're not you're, you kind of lose your personality in the process so um but yeah so he's and, and and it's interesting those those kind of quiet scenes with uh jerry uh just sitting by himself so let's talk about the scene where they bust in on his uh his his vacation home which is awesome i think like it's just so great the way they just come in and act like they have an appointment and the servants are just like confused and like they're just very nervous. They're from you know, another like, country and they're like yeah, and they just don't want to get fired. You know, they're yeah. just so afraid of just getting fired and like there's this clown coming in and here kind of, and, and and it's like kind of a frail old man and then a woman. So really, yeah. like they could sort of take them. I mean, right? Just and it could be just like I mean, some serious psycho, and it yeah. is a psycho. I mean, he he who knows yeah. what he would do? You know. Who knows if he would have killed Jerry, you know what I mean? If, if they didn't I mean, you complain, could see him you know? doing it, like, and not feeling particularly bad about it. Like, like look what yeah. you made me do, kind of shit. Right. I'm sorry, I, 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 you know, like, I gave you the option, you know. Yeah, but, uh, which is basically a speech so, he makes in the movie. Like, look look where we are. We have to be here. <laughs> and his, uh, and, and when he does finally say... Uh, you know, like, they're like, well, we're not going to do this shit, fuck you. And he's like, well, then he's dead. You know, he says yeah. that. He's like, then he, we're going to kill him. And he, very convincing. And I thought I thought of also his role when he was playing Cape Fear, you know, when he was doing that whole shtick with uh, 
Max Cady. I mean, it was kind of similar to that too. Just like you know, I, I'm I'm never going away. You know, I'm going to be here, like day yeah. in day out. <laughs> like just deal with me or just you know. And weird is like, like Scorsese and Nero are just making the same movie over and over. Like, they are just, in many ways. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it's Taxi Driver. I mean, it's it's a lot. There's the same kind of Absolutely. thing as Travis Bickle. Raging Bull, the guy, is completely deluded and has no idea what reality actually is and just turns on everyone. Right. And it's all about just, like, the the, the the individual, like, kind of triumphing it with his sheer will to power, you know, on some yeah, level Jimmy over this. Fellas, like, oh, right. we made all this money. Now I have to kill everyone involved so I can keep all the money. Well, even Robert De Niro's character in Mean Streets is a lot like that. I mean, because it's just a total deadbeat asshole who doesn't... Like, he causes all these fucking problems, you know, that <laughs> gets everyone killed just because he just does, can't pay back I mean, a simple I've, debt. What? I have to watch that again. I mean, I've, I've seen it, but it was like, yeah. I don't know, 20 years ago, for Christ's sake. And then you, of course, the fan uh, that he did with <laughs> yeah, Rusty Snipes. <laughs> Oh, so it's like, amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what? I bet you he does something but like no, no, that. that is a very, you're right in that. That's a similar movie. It's just not a collaboration with Scorsese. Well, it, I mean, and and uh, I, I don't know. Did did De Niro have some kind of falling out with Scorsese? Because I haven't seen him do a movie with him in years. I I don't. I mean, maybe. Am he, I like, wrong? Left him. No, you're not wrong. He maybe he left him for Leonardo DiCaprio in a way. What a what a, a kind of I mean, homoerotic like, you know, thing like, going on. It there. kind of is, don't you think? Like he went for a younger movie star who's now in every. Fu- I saw a trailer today. He's in Scorsese's next movie. At some point, Scorsese was going to movie do a movie about Teddy Roosevelt. Guess who was going to star? It's like he's. I mean, in the same way Woody Allen is with Scarlett Johansson, which I kind of relate to more. <laughs> like, I didn't put her in every movie. Cause I kind of <laughs> like spending 14 hours a day around this chick. Yeah, like, let me just put... She's a comic genius. Please put on I mean, this she's not bad, but like... Yeah. Uh, poor Woody, dude. I mean, he's just a coat hanger at I don't this know. point. But, that uh, guy's hoarded. <laughs> he has, he has. Uh, but let's talk about okay. So, but I just want to talk about that scene where he busts in because it's so awkward, and yeah. I love Jerry at that point because he just has no his patience has completely run out, and yeah. he's just like sitting there looking at him, and just like just being like, "What do you?" He's giving him that look like it's the look that's the that's like there to cut through all the bullshit. Like, dude, like you're fucking <laughs> around now. You know, like, I know what you're doing, and, like, fuck you. You know, like, that's the look he's giving. It's great. No, exactly. Didn't you it's see like that? no more small talk. Like, this is my hating right. you with my eyes. Right. Like, this is this is over. This is it. Like, I don't want you around me. Like, fuck you and anything I ever said to you. Like, you're an idiot. He's holding, he's, he's holding his putter the whole time. Like, I, I may kill you with this. Yeah. And and he's just like, and then the poor like girl that he's you know brings up there, she you know is trying to have a good time until this shit goes down, and then she's just like embarrassed and just trying to like apologize for. 
for, you know, the whole thing. She's a little bit of a weirdo, but I mean, I don't think Go ahead. It is heartbreaking when she's like, the man saying, I mean, it's just like, you know, she's, how how dumb is she to think this was actually going to happen? But now that it's, like, gotten ugly, she's like, you know, the the fantasy's over. Like, let's just get the fuck out of here. Like, and he's like, no, I tell, explain to her that you're joking. <laughs> right, come on, man, don't don't let her believe.